Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Movie Digest. I am JQ. And I'm in McCallum. <laughs> <laughs> and this week is our top Oscar winners. So it's not a top five today, it's a top six. So we've gone for six Oscar winning categories. Yeah, we thought, in the interest of fairness, right? So rather than picking our top five Oscar-winning films, yeah, because there's only going to be there's only a finite amount, and we're probably all going to pick the same ones. Yeah, we thought, why not mix up a bit and take uh, one winner from the category of best film, best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, and best director. Yeah, and it has to have won the award. Yeah, so that was what qualifies it. Yeah, got to win the award. And yeah, so do, do you want to go first? I have a feeling like this might be a bit. Uh, Who knows what's going to go on? I don't know what's going to happen with this. I think, do you know, just before we start, reading through it, I realise a lot of films before about 1970 I haven't actually seen. No, that's what I Or like, heard of. Um, Lawrence of Arabia and things like that that are Oscar winners. Yeah, on the waterfront and things like that. Yeah. A lot of directors. Uh, actors and actresses i hadn't heard of before so i'm probably just picking i picked ones that i've definitely seen rather than going yep. on reputation of like oh they were meant to be a great actor or yeah. that's meant to be a great film because i think that's that's not the way to yeah, do you it. gotta see otherwise <laughs> yeah <laughs> so in the category of best picture my nomination is american beauty it's a very good choice yep. uh, it was one of the ones i was considering as well that was a great year for cinema i think that was that 99 it won for Yes, I think so, yeah. Which is the same year that Fight Club and The Matrix and the South Park movie. Yeah, and so there's some good films, films in there, yeah. But it's, it's easily, when I was looking through the list of winners, it was easily my favourite film out of all the winners that, yeah. that I'd yeah. seen. Um, just well directed, well acted, well written. Um, and the soundtrack's really good as the well. The soundtrack is amazing for the, American and, and the original score. So most of the time if I'm working on something, I'll put that on. Because there's no lyrics on it. Mm. So it's just nice music to have in the background. It's nice when you get a film that does that. And it happens more rarely now where there's actually an amazing soundtrack, which are the songs that have been selected for the film that are yeah. played at parts of the movie and stuff like that. Yeah. You, so you've got like American Women on the American Beauty soundtrack, which is a great, great rock song, but yeah. it works so perfectly in the film. But then, like you say, you've got a score that complements that as well. Exactly. Thomas Newman. He's fantastic. There you go. Uh, do you want to go with your best picture? So my best picture, um, American Beauty, I was considering because I absolutely love that film as well. And going back, there's a couple of other really great films in there that have won for best films. So you've got things like The Godfather Part 2, Rocky. Yeah. Oliver as well, I think, is an amazing film. Like, as a mm. spectacle, it's great. You're not big into musicals. No. Um, Sound of Music. And then, like, you've got, like, classic older films. So, like, Ben-Hur's amazing, Casablanca, yep. Gone with the Wind, stuff like that. But the one that I, like you, it's my favourite one of the ones that were on the list is Gladiator. Ah. I just absolutely love Gladiator. Yep. So that was my that was my best Could film. have been an extra in Gladiator, but I didn't think it would be that sort of film. Really? Sort of yeah. I've not spoken about this before. I don't think so. I think so. I'm sure. They were filming the opening scene near where I was at college or university. Right, okay. And there was a post on the wall saying, do you want to be an extra in this new film called Gladiators? Nah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I always do the yeah. film. I always Idiot. do the film. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> So best actor, who did you go for? Best actor, I went for... Well, my criteria was what did they bring to the role and how different were they compared to what they're normally like? Yeah. Um, so say someone like Jennifer Aniston is the same in every film. Mm -hmm. 
So I didn't want to go for anyone like that. So I went for... It's been a while since she's been nominated for Best Actor, though, isn't it, Jennifer Anderson? I don't know. Has she ever? (laughs) All right. My point, exactly. (laughs) So I went for Colin Firth in The King's Speech. He's he's really good in that. Yeah. I think... This would have come up at some point anyway. I think there's a thing that is quite a well-known thing with the Oscars in that quite a lot of the time people seem to win Oscars because of the weight of their career and how good they've consistently been. Yeah. So they end up winning for a film that's not necessarily their best ever role. Yeah. And I think Colin Firth kind of comes into that because he'd been nominated for, was it A Serious Man that came out the year before? Or is that the Coen Brothers film? No, it is. But he'd been Oscar nominated for that and he was sensational in that film. But The King's Speech, it just felt like, this is his time. The same way that like Sean Connery won Best Supporting Actor for The Untouchables. Yeah. In 1983. He's good in that film, but his it's nowhere near his best acting performance. But, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just it seems to be that. Um, that said, though, he is really good in that yeah, film. Yeah, and and I've met him as well. He's very nice. Watch your toes there, dropping that name. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is one where there were quite a few in there that I was just like, oh my goodness, yes, uh, I've forgotten about those films. It, Kevin Spacey was one for American Beauty. I mm. think we'll come back to that quite a few times. Daniel Day-Lewis from My Left Foot, I think is an astonishing I haven't seen performance. My Left Foot, so. It's really good. And another one of my favourites is Jack Nicholson for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But um, my favourite one from, from the ones that are on the list is Robert De Niro for Raging Bull. Really? I think it fulfils that criteria that you were talking about. Someone who was really different in that role. And also, I think that was one of the first films, I think, where an actor went through a massive physical transformation. Yes, yeah. In order to perform the role to their best. So... Um, the scene at the end of Raging Bull, this isn't a spoiler for anyone that hasn't seen it, but there's a scene at the end of Raging Bull of his character, Jake LaMotta, years in the, kind of years after the film set and he's gained a lot of weight and stuff. But that was, Robert De Niro actually gained all that weight yep. for the role. No prosthetics used. It's it's an astonishing performance and just beautifully filmed that I think my favourite thing about Raging Bull is the way that Scorsese used, what well, the whole film's black and white, which is quite a nice stylistic touch. But in, during a lot of the boxing sequences, rather than it being fast-paced and quick cuts, it's all slow motion, yep. and it's set to classical music, and you see like all the strained sinews and the blood and the sweat dripping all over the canvas. It's just it's an astonishing film, and that really kind of accentuated De Niro's performance, I think, mm-hmm. in that film as well, because the scenes in that are astonishing and quite powerful. Yep. So, yeah, and best actress, best actress. Well, for me, it's got to be Charlize Theron in Monster. Okay. Completely different yeah. to anything you've seen before. She was, she's amazing in that film. It's one of those things as well where the acting performance is probably better than the overall film. Yes. <laughs> um, but she, she is astonishing in that. I think I watched the Louis Theroux documentary with her before the film came out. Okay. So you kind of knew what the person was like and she was that person mm. and not Charlie Seron anymore. Mm. So it was uh, very, very good. She was amazing. I think she the first... African to win an Oscar. South African. Well, it still counts as Africa. Well, it doesn't really make much difference where they're from, does it? No, no, no. But I th- I'm just saying, I think she was the first African ever to win an Oscar. Mm. And that was 2003. She I don't know. For. Can you name any other African female actresses? No. <laughs> no, well, but uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Who? Lupita Nyong'o won for 12 Years a Slave last oh, year. Oh, right, okay. Best Supporting Actress. I, I think she was uh, raised in America, but she's... Her family's Kenyan, I think. Right. She was born in Kenya, certainly. But yeah, there's not many so other... This podcast is entertaining and informative. 
See, kids, maths can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find Best Actress actually not a massively inspiring list. Mm. With a, Not to have a go at the performances in there, but just there are a lot of films on there that I hadn't seen. Yep. And there were a lot of people that I was surprised. Like, Cher's won an Oscar, which I always forget. Yeah. And I'm like, because Cher's a bit of a joke figure to when I knew her, like when yep. I was growing up, I'm like, and also, uh, what was it, Mermaid she was in. I'm like, <laughs> riding around she giant, won an Oscar? Yeah, like, riding around on giant guns in a music video. <laughs> yeah. It's, I I just find that a bit odd. But um, the the two that I was I was going between then, and they're both fairly, relatively recent films. One was Natalie Portman for Black Swan, who I think, she's amazing in that. I haven't seen that. It's, it's really good. But my, my absolute favourite is Frances McDormand, who plays the detective in Fargo. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And she's just magnet. She is the best thing about that film, and that it's a it's a terrific film. She is alone is reason enough to watch that film, despite the rest of it being amazing. She's Have you seen fantastic. the TV series? No, I haven't seen any TV series. It's, it's Martin Freeman in it. Martin Freeman and um, Bill, uh, who's was Billy 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 Bob Thornton. Okay. Billy Bob Thornton. Okay, he can cut out my mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good in it as well. Billy Bob. Um, yeah, kind of like a Javier Bardem in um, No Country for Old Men kind of vibe okay, to okay. it. Yeah. Sort of complete mental psycho guy. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, cool. I've only watched one of them though. But... <laughs> <laughs> the one I saw was great. Moving on to Best Supporting Actor. Yes. I had a tough time with this one. Me too. I think looking at the list... It was a list where I took the most amount of potentials to yeah. try and get a name from. Yeah. Who did you go for? Well, I find this really difficult because there were so many. It's just some of the ones I was just looking through. Christoph Waltz in Inglourious Bastards, amazing. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger, The Dark Knight, Alan Arkin, Little Miss Sunshine, Kevin Spacey in The Usual Suspects, yep. Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, yep. which I'd forgotten about. I was just like, oh, yes. Joe Pesci, Goodfellas, Sean Connery, Untouchables, Chris Walken in The Deer Hunter. But my favourite one, this is more like a personal one, I just love this film, was Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Ah, uh, see, I haven't seen that. Amazing <laughs> film. You should, I, I would recommend that film to anybody. I Even if read. you don't like the idea of it, like the synopsis or the yeah. actors that are in it, it's totally worth watching. It's yeah. an amazing film. I went for Heath Ledger. It's good though, yeah. isn't it? It's just... I mean, Christoph Waltz's Glorious Bastards was amazing. But Heath Ledger just went the extra mile. I think so. So it's just it it's, like you say, it's such a dramatic transformation to how he had been in any film previously. Yeah, and also as well, that coupled with the fact that he had to make it so distinct from Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yeah, I rewatched Batman nineteen eighty nine, and I remember when it came out. I was nine at the time. It was like this is really dark and gothic, and oh my god. Watching it now, it's, it's watching it back to back with '66 Batman with the kids. <laughs> it's actually quite campy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jack Nicholson is not that far away from Cesar Romero. Yeah, yeah. I think he took quite a lot of inspiration from Cesar Romero for that because yeah. the yeah, just a lot of the jokes <laughs> and the things that he says and the way because he's like a pantomime baddie almost, almost, which yeah. is doing it down because he's amazing in that film. Yeah. But in a post Heath Ledger world, yeah, yeah. It's the things retrospectively as well where I think Kevin Smith talks about this a lot as well Mm -hmm. where growing up he thought this is the 
best representation of Batman we will ever see on film. Yeah. And then you see the Nolan films and you're like, oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not that close to Batman, <laughs> is it? You know. No. So moving on to best supporting actress. Yeah. This is really difficult. There's just no nothing inspiring in there, performance wise, that, that stood out and went, oh, she was great in that. Yeah. The, well, there were one or two. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who I've previously mentioned, 12 years later. Yeah, she's, I haven't seen that. She's very good in that. And another one that I, I loved in a film I didn't actually see until quite recently um, was Angelina Jolie in Girl Interrupted. I haven't seen that. It's very good in that film. Very good in that film. But my, the one I went for, and it kind of feels weird doing a, a list of best Oscar winners without mentioning her, um, is Meryl Streep for Kramer vs. Kramer. Uh, that was that was my one. I haven't seen that either. Uh, very good film. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only one I could think of, I uh, just went for Kim Basinger in uh, Ellie Confidential. Okay, was that purely because of the way she looks? No, because I can't. Rem- I haven't. Didn't watch it, or the list of the other ones. I just like I don't remember your okay, performance okay. in that at all. So, yeah. unfortunately, I just went for her. That's all I can remember. So then she, she is good in that film, though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ellie Confidential is an excellent film. Oh, it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Um, best director then. I think this one was the toughest one of mm. all of them because. We, we, we were trying to decide what qualifies the best director. Yeah. Is it to do with the overall film? Is it to do with how well they got the script onto the screen? Is yep. it to do with the performances they drew out of the, the whole cast? And and also as well, do you judge it on the name or the actual film? Yeah. So like, again, coming back to the thing about people winning for what isn't their best film, the amount of times Scorsese was nominated and didn't win until he won for The Departed, which, which is an okay film. Yeah, it's, it's nowhere not... near as good as the rest of his back no. catalogue. <laughs> You know, like Taxi Driver or Raging Bull. Raging Bull or Goodfellas or any of these other ones that he was nominated for. It was a difficult one. Who, who did you go for? Well, the criteria I went for for Best Director was, would this film be the same if they hadn't done it? Mm. And so I went for Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity because mm. without him, the film wouldn't be what it is. Yeah. I mean, the film probably would have, might have existed, but just not looking like yeah. it does and he helped develop a new a new technique for filming yeah which yeah. is a big thing yeah i mean like someone like spielberg with Schindler's list did it in black and white and had you know bits of color in it that is a thing but it's not really difficult from mm. what he's achieved with his filmmaking technique mm. was something you'd never seen before mm. So that's why I went for him. I, he was. I was close to choosing him as well. Um, I didn't in the end, but but for those exact reasons, I think that's a pretty good summation of why. Yeah. He's he should be considered like that. There were another couple of ones where I've done it for. Like one of the ones I was thinking potentially was Peter Jackson for Lord of the Rings, and it's not to say that I think they're the best films ever made, but as someone who took, had a vision for something. Yeah. He realized that so perfectly. And again, nominated for the film that's not my favourite of the trilogy at all. It's my least favourite of, of the trilogy of anything. Yeah. And with its multiple endings and all that kind of thing. But he, it was astonishing what he did as a director to bring that about. So I think he should be considered for it as well. Sam Mendes for American Beauty, Woody Allen for Annie Hall, Francis Ford Coppola for The Godfather Part Two. even going back as far as um, William Friedkin, The French Connection, which I was saying to you earlier, it's that's the kind of film that's very much of a time. It looks dated now and people don't direct like that anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's all down to technology as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But for the time, they're, they're amazing films. Carol Reed, I think as well for Oliver, again, is someone who got, who brought that musical to the screen and this, the epic scale of it. And 
I haven't seen that. If you should really watch it. Also, as well, there's a really good documentary that came out. Was it? I, I, I think it was a few years ago. But they were they, they were showing the behind the scenes of how they did Oliver and like the time skill that they had to make it on, and they had a cast of thousands. Yeah. In this. Like to do the musical numbers and to reset the streets of London between all of them is astonishing what they were able to do. And another personal favorite of mine is Mike Nichols for The Graduate. I just I love that film and I love the way that he directed it because nobody directed like that at the time. Yeah. But for me, it seems like an obvious choice. <laughs> um, and I, again, I couldn't really decide which film, but I think I'm more leaning towards Saving Private Ryan. It had to be Spielberg like, yeah. for me because, like, what you're seeing is someone who has such a distinctive trademark that without seeing a Spielberg film, I think. Even if, if he does things differently, because you couldn't compare something like Artificial Intelligence to E.T. or something like that. They're both very distinct films, but there are little things in there that are always there for Spielberg films. And yeah. that's the things I love. So like Saving Private Ryan, I love because we've talked about it before, but the whole storming of the beach, the first like 20 minutes of that film is astonishing. Yeah. But also he takes actors and that's it's very much an ensemble cast, that one. People who have been around the business for a little while but also newcomers coming in. So that was, um, I think I'm right in saying that was one of Vin Diesel's first ever film credits. I think so, yeah. He plays, Car- Carpazio, is that the name I of can't his? can't remember his name. His private, he, um, and he's he's really good in that. Like a really straight acting role. You had like Adam Goldberg, who I think is a massively underrated actor. Is he the guy that was in Friends as well? Yeah, Chandler's yeah. crazy roommate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you had... Gianni Rubisi is in there as well, yeah, who plays good. the medic. Um, and of, co- of course, it's all cemented with Tom Hanks, you know. It's just, it's... I, also, the little throwaway ones as well, which... I, if someone had said Ted Danson was a, a, a general yeah. or a military commander kind of thing in, uh, in, a, in a war film, I'd be like, well, that would seem so out of place. But he's brilliant in that. In the, in the small scene that he's in, and it's just, it's... That's an amazing film, but just what he does to all those kind of things. I just wish that Jurassic Park could win because that would totally be up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Spielberg is one of the best directors for that for that precise reason. There you go. And there's our top six Oscar winners. And of course, we're talking about Oscar winners because it's Oscar season. It is. What? And the nominations have come out. <laughs> there were some surprising ones put onto the list yeah so films and like some surprising omissions as well completely and um, we'll come to that in a second i'm so pleased for grand budapest hotel yep it's got nine nominations including best picture which is great that something like that which is like quite comedic and stuff actually gets recognized i um sat down with naomi and watched it again the other night and it was just good the second time. It is. Yeah. I, I watched it again recently as well. It's just, it, it's such a fun film. Yep. It was amazing. I think, because I put it as my favourite film from last yeah. year. And then we said, oh, it's a little bit weird. But for her to say it's a little bit weird rather than, this was rubbish. Yeah. I mean, she actually liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and will we do a quick run through of the kind of list of nominations yep. for the, the bigger ones? So Best Picture, the nominations are American Sniper, Clint Eastwood film. Yep. Birdman. Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Which one would you go for? Well, I, I've yet to see Imitation Game, Theory of Everything. Selma's not out in the UK yet, and American Sniper I haven't seen yet. So of the ones I've seen, I think Best Picture. I think I would... I don't know. It's, it's a really tricky one. There's some really good films on there. 
I'll come to this later on what I thought of Whiplash in the movie review section but for me it's it would be a tie between that and Birdman I think um, I haven't seen Birdman yet but I really want to see it it's really good it's really good (laughs) best director Alejandro G. Inurita for Birdman Richard Linklater Boyhood Bennett Miller for Foxcatcher Wes Anderson for Grand Budapest Hotel and Morton Tildum for The Imitation Game yeah uh, I think that's got to go to Alejandro G and Inurita. Yeah, it's got to. It's the way that that one's filmed. It's just there's no there's no competition for that. Wes Anderson would it would be cool for him to win it, I think, but mm. I don't think he will. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't brought anything new to his filming style. Yeah. per se. Yeah, yeah. The best actor, Steve Carell's up there, which is cool to see for Foxcatcher. Yeah, someone was watching, listening to a podcast somewhere, and someone was saying, "Oh yeah, I was watching the film." I was like. 20 minutes into it, when's Steve Carell going to be in? And he'd been in it from the start. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Foxcatcher, so I can't really um, say. In fact, the only the only person that's up for Best Actor that I have seen in, in, in their movie that's nominated is Michael Keaton for Birdman, who I think is great. But he seems to be the kind of hot favourite to get that anyway, which would be cool to see. I'd yeah, I rewatched um, uh, Beetlejuice the other day. Oh, he's great. So that? good in that. <laughs> I love the massive speech that he's got where he's just like... Um, something about watching The Exorcist and it's like and it gets funnier every time <laughs> it's just it's brilliant and I, I love the bit as well where he's like um, no 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 tell me about yourself he's like oh well I attended Juilliard <laughs> <laughs> it's so great I'd love to know how much of that was ad-libbed it's, it, it's so funny um, Best Actress Marianne Cotillard has got another nomination which is cool because she mm-hmm. won it a few years ago for La Vie en Rose for Two Days One Night Felicity Jones for The Theory of Everything Julianne Moore who seems to be the hot favourite yeah, for still Alice, which apparently the film's not amazing, but she's meant to be superb in it. Yeah, uh, Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, that yeah, was she so was, cool. She yeah, won. she was good. And Reese Witherspoon for Wild as well, is Oscar nominated. Who is a previous Oscar winner, which I forgot for Walk the Line. She won Best Actress. Ah. Oh, Walk the Line. But apparently, there's a few omissions where people are like, um, I haven't seen Selma, but everybody's been saying David Yellowo is meant to be astonishing playing Martin Luther King in that. No idea. And also for Best Actress, um, Jennifer Aniston. We were joking about it earlier on, that <laughs> yeah. she was meant to be amazing in Cake. That I don't think that's out in the UK yet either. No. But she's meant to be really good in that, and was that's meant to be a bit of an oversight. It's quite funny, though. There were a lot of people coming out saying with the Oscar nominations just how white and male a lot of the nominations are, that there's yeah. a lot of people who are being left off. I saw something on, on the internet which was a, a graphic representation Sorry, a graphical look, not a graphic representation. <laughs> a graphical look at the representation of women at the Academy Awards since 1927. So this yeah. is going back to the inception the yeah. of the Oscars. And for Best Director nominees since 1927, do you know how many have been women? Nominees, not winners. Five? Four. Really? Four women, 423 men. Name five current female directors. Catherine Bigelow. She won for the Heart Locker a few years ago. Oh, yes. Zero yep. Dark Thirty. Yep. Point Break. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, Lana Wachowski. That doesn't count. It does. <laughs> she's, she's a woman. <laughs> she is now. Um, Jennifer Kent, who directed The Babadook that came out last year. Yep. Um, she's, she's pretty cool. Uh, and also... Uh, Michelle McLaren as well who's directing the Wonder Woman movie she's done like quite a few episodes of Breaking Bad and stuff like that I think she was touted potentially to do one of the Star Trek movies as well one more 
Um, it's really difficult. I it's Sophia, I, Sophia Coppola. A Sophia, oh, that's a massive oversight in my point. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing. Um, but I think it's just—is it they're not getting the same opportunities? Is it because people think they can't do it the same? I, it's it's bizarre. But it just it's it's crazy. Also, as well in terms of uh, writing and cinematography. So of the fifteen hundred or so writing nominations, do you know how many are women? Twenty. Well, one hundred and seventeen. So it's slightly ah, right. bigger. But then 1,455 are men. Mm. And of those, only 36 of those 117 nominations are awarded to women not sharing it with men. So it's not like a writing duo. Yeah, yeah. And of the 631 cinematography nominees since 1927, how many are female? Three. None. None. All 631 have been men so far. The the thing with all these statistics and all that is that they have, you know, you can't force... You can't say, oh, everything has to be 50-50 women now because what if there aren't enough women who want to do it? Yeah. If you take... It's a difficult thing to quantify, but if you take away... If you manage to go back and look at all the opportunities where a woman director has not been allowed to do it, how many times do you think that would be? As opposed to there just aren't any women that want to do it. I think there'll be lots of women that want to do it. But it's just... it's, It's one of those things... You can't, just, you can't quantify it really, can you? You can't really, but it, it's statistics like that that mm. kind of help at a glance see the, the misrepresentation yeah. of between the sexes of like the people. And it's not just that there aren't women doing it, it's just that they don't get recognised for doing any of it mm. either, which I think is what the the Academy Awards is supposed to be about. But it just seems to be a very self-congratulatory white male thing yeah. to do. Even like people were saying like David Ayala will get overlooked because he's British and he's black rather than the people who maybe not quite as... Like Benedict Cumberbatch. I've not seen the imitation game, but like, why is, why is that a more Oscar-worthy performance, you know? I don't... It's difficult. It's strange, isn't it? Well, it's, I mean, there's been a couple of those Oscar oversights with the, the acting nominations, but I, I, I was... My heart went out to you when I was looking at some of the other nominations and Best Animated Film had one massive oversight, didn't it? No Lego Movie. I mean, let's have a look at some of the, the actual nominations that have come in. So we've got Big Hero 6. Not seen it. Which hasn't even come out here yet. Um, so I can't can't even comment on it. Um, the Box Trolls. Have you seen it? I haven't I, seen any of these, by the I way. I have seen The Box Trolls. We'll come to that in a bit. Okay. Um, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Not seen it. Uh, Song of the Sea. Never even heard of it. No idea. And The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Some, Kaguya. Some weird Japanese thing, which I've never heard of. I mean, what? I don't... Lego Movie should be in there for Best Picture. <laughs> let alone Best Animated Feature. I don't under... I just don't understand it. It's just and bizarre. I think what makes it even more galling is the fact that it's not on there, but it is in... I think it's nominated for Best Song. Which is rubbish. <laughs> For everything is awesome, which yeah. is great, but like, why? Why is the film not nominated for best? Exactly. Film? I just, I, even just the technique that they've used to make it is ah. Uh. <laughs> <sighs> Moving on to other stuff away from the Oscars because we yes. spent a large amount of time talking <laughs> yeah. about o- Oscars past yep. and present. Oscars holding you. <laughs> um, let's move on to other movie news. So. There's not been a huge amount happening. No, I Oscars keep looking at it. Yeah, I keep looking going, oh, that's boring, that's boring. Uh. Yeah. It's not really a great time. But there, there's been one or two things, probably chief of which, the thing I'm most excited about is the announcement that Simon Pegg's going to be writing Star Trek 3. Yes. Co-writing it with 
Doug Jung, who's done films like Confidence and stuff like that way back in the day. Um, but I just think, I think it's a great choice because we know that he's got the chops to write scripts, having done quite a lot of it himself. Yeah. The question the I've got is, why? What do you mean? Why? What was wrong with the other two that they thought, oh, we need Simon Pick on this one? Uh, I don't know. It just brings a different perspective. Yeah. Because I always thought he was a massive Star Wars fan, not particularly Star I th- Trek. No, I think he's both. Yeah, I th- yeah, he was a mass. He's just a bit of a geek, but right. I think he's got. He'll know enough of the universe as well to be able to write things into it. Yeah. I think. I also think as well, the first Star Trek film of the reboots, the J.J. Abrams one, had quite a lot of really nice comedic moments in it, and I don't think there were quite as many in Into Darkness no. as there should have been. There's a bit more of a serious film, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I think that might be another thing that puts it back in the balance of being like quite lighthearted, well written, quite comedic. I, I think I think it could be a really good thing. Your dad's dead. Yeah. <laughs> what a cool netto. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the cool thing is as well about that film, Justin Lin is attached to direct, who's done like the last couple of Fast and the Furious movies. Ah. So I think it should be quite 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 a good quite a good fun. In other news, um, apparently I was reading this week that. I think we were talking a little bit last week about Suicide Squad, or, or certainly before Christmas. I think you were, because I have no idea what it is. The Suicide Squad is like a collection of six DC villains that are all together. So it's like the Joker, oh, right. yeah. Harley Quinn, and a couple of others. David Ayer, who did Fury last year, he's directing it. And it's got like Jared Leto, Margot Robbie, Will Smith. Uh, but not Tom Hardy, he's dropped out now due to scheduling conflict, which is a shame. Before throwing him off of the film. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently with that, um, Ben Affleck's Batman might make an appearance in that in order to set up a standalone Batman versus Joker movie with Ben Affleck's Batman going up against Jared Leto's Joker, which could be quite interesting. I wonder how he's going to do the Joker. I don't know. Mm. (laughs) It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I'm interested to see what will happen. And I think he'll do enough of a different job that it wouldn't be... Ledger-esque and Nicholson-esque. Yeah, so we've got Campy, uh, Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill. Yeah, oh, he's There's amazing. four different versions there that are yeah. quite a broad spectrum. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to play with in the character. Mm. I think it could be quite good. One one other small bit of news. Apparently The X-Files is going to make a comeback in yes. some form or another. David Duchovny is saying this week that he um, he's keen to do it. They do they don't feel they've got the energy to do an entire full season, so that's like yeah. 24 episodes, but maybe a mini-series or something. I, I, I'm not bothered about having 24 episodes in a series. I'm exactly the same. I think there's too much of that where it's just like... It's, yeah. I think it's a thing that's endemic of the US kind of network situation where you, you, you get something commissioned and then they'll be like, oh, it works really well, so let's do five seasons of 20, 24 yeah. episodes. And you're like... Oh. Because I remember the end of the last X Files thing, it just got a bit. Oh. Yeah, X Files got, and then it they had, really uh, dropped off. They sh- if you... they'd finished around about season six or whatever, mm. that was great. But like seven, eight, nine, it just kind of dropped off quite, yeah. quite badly. I think most uh, TV series used to do that. They just used to keep running them until their ratings dropped off and then yeah. they ca- cancelled it. Um, but now, when the golden age of television we're in now, it should yeah. it would look amazing. Yeah, mm. that would be cool. And Gillian Anderson is still quite attractive. Yeah. <laughs> so, films we've seen. Yes. Have you seen much recently? Did I, I talk about E.T. last week? No, definitely not. Because I hadn't seen E.T. until last week. What? Never. I just never... I, I remember being in junior school and we went 
I think we went to an evening at the school and they wheeled out the big fat telly with the uh, video player underneath and we were like, we'll sit down, we're going to watch E.T. And then the tape got jammed. Oh, no. And we never got to see it. So I finally watched it last weekend with the kids. Uh-huh. And because I've never seen it as a kid, I yeah. had no um, preconceptions about it. Say something like The Goonies, which you okay. yeah, loved yeah. as a kid. So watching it as an adult, it's a brilliant film. Yes. It's just really well made. Some of the special effects are a little bit... It was 83, though. I mean, exactly. it's, it's like 22 odd yeah. years old. It's But it looks amazing. Sorry, 32. Yeah. So it looked amazing. Um, just, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Just, and really, the kids absolutely loved it as well. Because Charlotte was sort of a bit, she's um, seven. She was just like, oh, this is like rubbish. So she was sort of moping around on the sofa. And then after about five minutes, she was just transfixed on the mm. screen, wondering what was going to go on. Mm. It's just a brilliant film. It's, it's such a great film and also as well like the I think like the, the kid actors and stuff in it mm. really make it like Elliot had to be good otherwise yep. the film kind of doesn't really go anywhere yeah and also you always forget as well that's Drew Barrymore yeah. as a little girl <laughs> it's just like well, it's, it's a brilliant brilliant film yeah and um, did I talk about Who Framed Roger Rabbit no so I thought well, carrying on the sort of 80s good film thing rewatch Who Framed Roger Rabbit with the kids Again, that is an amazing film. Yeah. It's just that just even the practical stuff, like when they're holding the guns to people's heads, they actually had to do that yeah. and then cut it out afterwards, <laughs> which is just amazing. But in the cinema, it's all the box trolls, mm-hmm. which is made by the same people that made uh, Paranorman. Okay, yeah, Not yeah. Sure if you saw that. So they're te- it's all stop motion, but their technique is that they use 3D printers to print the faces. Right, okay. So it looks... CG, okay, but it's not okay. It's it's stop motion. It's really good film, really well voiced as well. Um, Jared Harris is one of the guys. Um, Gandhi, but Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley was the bad guy. He was really good. Okay. Um, there's a couple of kids that are doing the, the main voices, but it's just a really nice film. It's, you know, it's the classic. They're, all films are the same, really. You know, good guy, bad guy. Yeah. Oh, no, they're going to get killed. Oh, no, they got to save. But it's really well made, really fun film. And Richard Iowadi is a bad guy, or henchman. Oh, cool. He's, he's a henchman with a conscious going, are we the good guys? Uh, are we the, I'm not sure. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's really well done. And also saw The Expendables 3. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. No. <laughs> I, I thought it was okay. It's fine, but yeah. it's like a video co-pilot tutorial. <laughs> you mean like the explosions and stuff yeah, like and the, yeah if anyone doesn't know we're, we use this uh, plugin called Video Copilot if, just go to videocopilot.net and then so, you'll see all the special effects from Expendables it's, 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 it's this guy who like designs plugins for After Effects so like if you're wanting yeah. to do uh, like say you're making a short film and you need something to have an explosion yeah. or for there to be like a mist in a forest or something yeah. Yeah. or uh sparks or flares or fire or anything like that yeah um you can download anything from video copilot yeah but yeah it's really weird because like the more you use it the more you see that's like straight the template on video (laughs) copilot they paid like what like 200 dollars to download it and then just haven't changed it at all um the only problem i had with it was like you've seen rambo john rambo the latest rambo film yes body count high gore count high yeah expendables 3 zero blood at any point which is really annoying because the first two are quite bloodthirsty are they but what well, have you not seen the first two i have but i can't remember yeah they're massively so i mean they yeah. were they were much on in the vein the first one's definitely an 18 i think the second one is as well yeah um but for some reason this was a 12 but it's like 
it, they've genuinely made the conscious decision not to show any blood. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because they wanted to mass market and to get a 12, 12 rating, or rather a PG-13 rating for the States, so it's yeah. not an R-rated movie. But I'm like, it's, especially, it's a weird thing to do that for the third film, given what the previous films are like. Yep. And that hasn't halted it at all at the box office. Like, they're not family films. Do you no. know what I mean? But I, me and Amy were watching it, and during the fight scene at the end, yeah, we got bored, yeah, with the killings yeah. because it was just like oh, another guy smash, smash, smash. It was like it was like you're playing Doom and all the people were just regenerating, yeah, and you're just killing them again. <laughs> there was no, um, it, it, it was just killing people for killing people's sake. Yeah. There's no, it, it, oh, it's just bizarre. It's just too much. Let's so just count next. Come yeah, on. Yeah. And we watched another film. I can't remember what it was, but it had just the right amount of killing in it. If that <laughs> is that something. <laughs> I think that is a thing. It just meant the right people that, that cease to exist. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's more the way that they get killed. Than yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's that was my um, film watching. I, I've not been able to catch up that much at the cinema, but one film that I did managed to go and see, which we were talking about earlier, is one of the ones that's nominated for Best Picture this year, which is Whiplash. Which ah, is, is that the drumming? Yeah, one? so yeah. it's the basic premise is there's a kind of precocious but talented young drummer in this very well-to-do music school in New York, and there's this sort of well-revered but tyrannical co- uh, conductor. Yeah, and he tries to bring the best out of the musicians there by methods where you're like, mm, that's probably not the best way of, of doing that. This film like is incredible i i'm i'm not an enormous jazz fan yeah because they're, they're jazz musicians and i was just thinking oh i think i feel like i've seen this before like you know the not quite well like the talented genius and then the older guy the wiser guy's got to bring out the his potential and there's a clash and stuff like that but this yeah. this film honestly is astonishing i, I was completely it's 100 miles an hour from start to finish yeah and it's breathtaking but it like jumps around quite a bit with the way almost like jazz like it's there's no set way that things can and will happen during the film yeah. and every time you think uh I, I really hope they don't go this direction because it feels a bit cliched and it starts going that way and then something happens and you're like oh my word <laughs> i did not see that coming at all um and it just plays out brilliantly and it gets to the point where you think, oh, right, the film's in its its kind of end bit now. Yeah. And then it just wraps it back up again. Nice. And just, it's incredible. I, I downloaded the, the soundtrack as soon as I got out and I've not been able to stop listening to it just because it had to be done this way. But like the music is obviously so intrinsic to the actual story of it. Yeah. So it's about this guy trying to perfect these particular songs, Whiplash, which where the name gets filmed, and Caravan, yeah. which is the other one that the kind of two main ones that they're playing throughout and just the way that they're trying to perfect that and hone it it's incredible and i think if you're someone who's involved doing anything creative like in the creative industries or music or art or any 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 job where you have to like really devote yourself to your craft to do it like this you'll really enjoy this yeah it's just that there's there's things that permeate quite a lot of other different things and there's like a whole this guy's like kind of awkward with women and stuff as well and you see how his the way that he interacts with uh, in relationships constantly changes throughout the film as he feels he's getting better or he feels that he's failing about what he's doing playing the drums and stuff yeah and it's just it's astonishing the um the acting is incredible and 
Uh, I really, really hope J.K. Simmons wins for Best Supporting Actor. So he's the guy that plays the kind of tyrannical music teacher. Yeah. Um, Isn't he really pumped? Uh, yeah, kind of. He's just... It's also as well, it's a level of swearing that I have not encountered before. <laughs> Since you went home to Scotland. <laughs> it's astonishing. It totally just reminded me of this amazing scene from The Thick of It, yeah. which I'll, I'll play just now. But... Um, it, 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 just, it was a very British response to like this, this very visceral American swearing. So, how do we respond to this? Right, we don't we don't exchange insults with bloody Simon arsepipes titty twat. Honestly, the best swearing that you can come up with. Ooh. This is a bucket of sh. If someone throws sh at us, we throw sh back at them. We start a sh fight. We throw so much sh back at them that they can't pick up sh. They can't throw sh. They can't do sh. That's top swearing, yeah. Glenn. Well done. Watch yeah. and learn. <laughs> <laughs> that's top swearing, Glenn. Uh, but that's exactly what it made me think of. It, so the language is pretty choice. I mean, that's the only real thing of people. If anyone's of a nervous disposition, yeah, maybe. And you're not that keen on swearing. It is it, it's pretty full on for most of it. But um, it, it's it totally. It's not just there for the sake the sake of being there. It's there to enhance the characters and stuff so it's it, it's kind of necessary yeah. for the character development yeah. of that but it's it, it's just just an amazing film it's totally worthy of all the oscar nominations even miles teller who, who's the young guy the, the yeah. young musician he so he's he's an actor and he did play drums when he was younger but he's kind of trained himself up to this had to be this level of jazz drummer yeah which is one of the most difficult things of playing the drums and so i'm you know when people are Oscar nominated because, uh, like Eddie Redmayne for Stephen Hawking, yeah, because of the transformation he has to make in his acting ability to show the disability that Stephen Hawking has, and he, and he gets recognised for that. Miles Teller should be recognised in the same way, I think, for how intense his performance is and the way that he does the drumming and stuff. Like you, li- there are close-ups in this film that that are beautiful, where you literally see the sweat running off him. And he'll have like bleeding uh, blisters on his hands and yeah. bleeding knuckles, and uh, it's just it's astonishing. The, the editing as well is absolutely incredible. There's some, there's an amazing uh, performance sequence where it just keeps whip panning between the conductor and the guy on drums, and it just the intensity with what it does. It's just such a simple effect, but it enhances the movie yeah. incredibly. It's a phenomenal film. I, I would heartily, heartily recommend Whiplash. And the other film that I saw recently, not quite on the same level, was the Kevin Costner film that came out last year, Three Days to Kill. Has he got a gun in the post? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's odd. That is the only way that I can really <laughs> describe this film. It's so weirdly edited to the point where there's no actual flow to the movie. Right. Action sequences happen, and then something else happens off to the side, which totally breaks the moment and the tension, and then they're straight back into it. So you've lost... You're just like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Like... I don't, this makes no sense. Yeah. And just, and it takes away from your enjoyment of the film. Kevin Costner's cool. Like he just always is. So yeah, that's good. But then when the credits roll, I didn't know this. You see, it's directed by McGee and you think, ah, that uh, explains it. I haven't seen a McGee film for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a good reason for that. Um, it's, it's pretty parp. I would yeah. just give it the bum steer if, if, if it comes up on Netflix. The thing sure is people don't there. start out to make a rubbish film. Yeah. I think some people do. McGee's one of those few people. <laughs> Uwe Ball is another one who's yeah. just dreadful. But yeah. Um, but that's kind of like the contrast of what the, my film watching this week. We had Whiplash, which is sensational, and then Three Days to Kill, which is pretty parp. There you go. So that's it for this week. 
That's us. I've been JQ. And I've been Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> uh, for next week's episode, I will put a poll on the website as to what top five we do next. Okay. Because I've come up with a few. This worked out well last time because I think rom-coms won out, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And you were delighted about that. <laughs> so check out the website, facebook.com forward slash The Movie Digest. Yes. Like it. We're at 100 likes. Mm-hmm. We want some more. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.